I'm just delighted. I'm, I'm happy and, and excited to be a part of the family of God this year. And, and, and to be here again in Westchester. Amen. And it's just great to be back and to share with you another thought from God's Word. Uh, I want to uh, thank you for allowing us to come, to be here, and um, you know, because you could have easily said, no, Brother Myers, I'm sorry, we, 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 don't, we, have, we don't have any room for you, but you, you've opened the door and allowed us to come in, and we certainly appreciate that. Appreciate, Brother David, for your prayer. Uh, I was humbled by the words that you spoke to God on our behalf, and especially on my behalf as a preacher of the Word of God. Uh, I try to be a humble servant, preaching God's Word and letting people know what they have to do to be saved. Isn't that what it's all about? Yes. Uh, it, it's like the song we just sang, this world is not our home. We're not here to stay, friends, but we have a place to go and that's been prepared for us by Jesus himself. And I just thank, I'm so thankful for that. And, and you should, it's, a, it's enough for us to just to say, thank God, from whom all blessings flow. Amen. And I'm, 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 I'm just, I was, I was just humbled and, 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 and by those words that you spoke. I'm, I'm thankful and I'm humbled by uh, your presence here this day. Uh, it's raining outside, it's cold. Not like it is in Florida, but it's cold and <laughs> it's damp. And it gives you, just chills you to the bone. And you decided to come to be here today. I think the Lord will bless you for your efforts. And I pray that we will be able to say something from God's word that will edify you and lift your spirits to the point that you will be able to say that it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. Amen. I thought about when we, did, we knew we were coming. And, and Brother uh, Jerry um, indicated that he was, I could speak. I immediately began to think about what I could talk to you about this morning that would edify you and lift your spirits and to help you as a child of God um, to be able to hold on a little longer and hold on a little tighter until Jesus comes back for his people. And so I thought that I would talk to you from the book of Hebrews there's a wonderful lesson there that's given to us from God's Word that I think will help us to understand that God is God. Besides Him, there is no other. The title of my message to you this morning is A Unique Testimony. A Unique Testimony from the book of Hebrews, the chapter is number 11. I think you'll agree with me that the world is becoming an increasingly violent and lawless place. Lawlessness does not mean that there are fewer laws in, in the country they live or in this world, but that, that I believe there is less obedience to the laws that do exist. The drive to acquire Possessions has changed people's attitudes toward the purpose of laws. And, and when I think about that, I just think 
And I, I don't like to talk about politics, but just think about it for you know what's happening in our in our capital in, in D.C. And, and all the things that are happening with our lawmakers and our constitution and our president and things like that. People are just up in arms, and and it shows us that even our the hierarchy of our government demonstrates at times lawlessness. And, and when I think about that, and I think about that, and, 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 and in that, and here we are in the highest of, of, of those places that we can be on this earth, and that is the church, the church that Jesus died for, people's minds and attitudes are the same towards God's law in this respect, that they do not view the law of God as a means to govern and conduct their lives. Amen. I think people rather see laws as obstacles to prevent them from achieving or acquiring whatever he or she desires. And I believe the only downside of that, that those who are lawless, the only downside that they have or there is, is that they are afraid that they might be caught someday. Other than that, People are blatantly lawless and they do whatever they want to do. And that's the world in which we live. Would you agree with that? Yes. Amen. There are some who just don't believe it is necessary even to obey God and His laws. And that, my friends, hurts. When I realize that we serve a God who watches over us, who created us and gave us life, and, and, and people just blatantly ignore the blessings of God. And they're lawless according to his will and his way. The wise man said it like this in the book of Proverbs, chapters 4, beginning at verse number 12. He says, there is a way that seems right. He didn't say it was right. He said, there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. So when I think about what's happening in the world today in which we live, the violence and the lawlessness that exists, I think about the fact that some, we think sometimes that we're right and when in reality we're wrong in a spiritual sense. I conclude then that when we draw from our own thoughts, we should not use them as criteria for determining what is right and what is wrong. We must understand that there are consequences for disobeying God. Amen? Amen? And certainly there are benefits for being obedient to God. Amen. And I believe the Word of God has much to say about the subject of obedience. So I would like to share with you this thought from verse 5 of our text this morning, a unique testimony. I stopped and I thought... What does a life that is pleasing to God really look like? What does a life that is pleasing to God really look like? We look in the mirror when we get dressed and those of us who have hair fix their hair. <laughs> straighten our ties and things like that. You know, we look at ourselves and we say, I'm pleased with what I see. And you go on your way. 
And then you forget. James says we forget. When we look at me, we forget what we really look like sometimes. But have you ever stopped to think about what you look like to God and what a life pleasing to Him really, really looks like? Every Christian, I believe, you may not acknowledge it, but every Christian, I believe, asks themselves that question. A true Christian will ask themselves that question. Is my life really pleasing to God? Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 11 not only gives an answer to the question, but it also paints a picture through the life of a man by the name of Enoch. The man of faith, the Bible teaches and tells us about, whose life was well-pleasing in the eyes of God, and that life produced a unique testimony. It's a sad thing to think that when all is said and done, when it's time for us to leave this world and go to that other world that God has prepared for us, for us to look at our lives and say, we were not well-pleasing. Enoch, rather, his life was unique in the sense that his testimony was that he pleased God. I think that's quite interesting. And, and even though you read just a few verses about this man, within those few verses is a ton of information about his life and what he did. And that's what I'd like to share with you this morning. Is that all right? Absolutely. Amen. What does a life look like that is pleasing to God? Well, the first thing I think that you have to look at is that a life well-pleasing to God and Enoch's life, let's just look at him first, and then we'll look at ourselves uh, in the mirror of, of, of spirituality. But let's look at Enoch. His life was well-pleasing to God, and what did it take to do that? Well, I believe the first thing that we need to look at is that his faith in God's grace was the first thing that we need to understand. Because the Bible says, by faith, he did this. I believe that's what it says. By faith, Enoch walked with God. So it's his faith in God's grace that we need to recognize and understand that will help us and help him to have a testimony that was unique in the sense that his life pleased God. The grace of God teaches us how to live, amen? It teaches us to live a life of integrity according to what the Bible says in Titus chapter 2 and the verses 11 and 12. It teaches us that divine favor in our lives should cause a corresponding reaction to us, in us rather, that denies, rejects, disavows, and refuses ungodliness. Can you say amen to that? Amen. While helping us, God's grace, manifest good fruit in our lives. Grace has an impact on our matter of life. In this sense, it says we must live soberly, which means it would suggest that the exercise of self-restraint that governs all those passions and desires and it enables us to be conformed to have the mind of Christ. Do you know what governor is? Some older folks in here, and some younger folks. I don't know if you know that one. But you know what a governor is? A governor is something, you know, that you put on and something. You know, years ago, even bus, school buses. 
You know, school buses have governors on them. And what a governor does, it controls the speed that they can go. So, so uh, the Bible teaches us that God's grace governs our life. In other words, what it does, if they allow it, if you allow your life to be, be, be subjected to God's will and to his way, this Holy Spirit and God's grace will govern us to restrain us from those desires that we have from the new human nature. Amen? You see that? So we need to recognize that grace teaches us this. So Enoch had faith in God's grace. And, and, and Paul says it like this in the book of Romans, the chapter is five. I'll share this uh, thought with you in verses, beginning at verse number one. I'd like to read this. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. God's faith in God's grace teaches us to live soberly, righteously in this present world in which we live. So it tells us, it says that not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations work with patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We need to understand that God's grace, we faith in God's grace, helps us to decide the type of life in which we live. Amen. Amen. You know, God's grace will tell us, Mr., that's the wrong way to go. You know, in, in, in the world, we have, uh, we have stop signs, we have one-way streets, and we have two-way streets, and so forth and so on. But the law says they put signs up so you and I can govern us, so you and I will know which way to go. Amen. And, and so God's grace does the same thing for you and I. Very simple. Pretty elementary, isn't it? When you look at it. So, so I, I thought about this. I recognize that we need to, whatever happens to us, wherever we go, we need to rely on God's grace. We need to have faith in His grace, amen, to know that God will see us through. Sometimes we, um, we get to the point where we become complacent. Because God's grace seems to be automatic. And his blessings seem to be automatic in our life. Am I right? I mean, I know that it happens, it happens to me. I'm a human just like you and I, you are. And it happens. Those things happen to us. We get to the point where we're going through life. And everything seems to be going good. And we're doing this and we're doing that. And the old enemy, the devil, is always watching and always waiting. And when we become complacent in our spiritual minds, that's when he attacks us. I know that so because the Bible teaches me a lesson from God's word that helps me to understand that, that, that this happens to people, good people. And in the book of 2 Chronicles, there's a story. It's chapter 16. And you read it at your leisure. And I'll try to tell you a little bit about what's happening. But this was during the divided kingdom period. And the Bible says there was a man by the name of Asa. He was king of Judah. When the kingdom divided, you had Judah and you had Israel. And he was king of Judah. And then you had Baasha, who was king of Israel. 
And, and, and what happens was, and then you had the enemy who was Benedict. He was the king of Syria. You have these three players. And isn't that the way it is in life? We have God, and we're us, and the devil. And, and they're all battling for our spirit and for our soul. And watch what happens. I'm talking about good people. Sometimes going through life and failing to see and to totally rely on God's grace in their lives. Behesha decided to build cities and walls and things like that to keep people from going into uh, Judah or up to Asia, king of uh, Judah, and go up there and, and, and be there. And so when this happened, basically what he was doing, he was cutting Asa off. And that's a shame because sometimes you have to recognize that Asa and Baasha were brother. <laughs> you know, we should not be against each other. Amen? Our efforts should be to support one another. Because the bottom line is, we're all after the same thing. Amen? And it doesn't matter how rich we are or how poor we are, or what color skin we have. We're all after eternal life. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's what it's all about. But they were brethren, and they were at odds with each other. And that's a shame. But anyhow, what happened was, Asa said, okay, I'm going to go to the king of, or the king of Syria, or Benadad, Benadad was his name, and he said, I want you to, he took all the silver out of the Lord's house, Silver out of the, and gold out of the king's house, and he gave it to Benedict, who was the enemy. Think about this. I'm talking about having faith in God's grace and relying solely on God. So he did that, and he gave it to Benedict. Said, "Here, I want you to 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 disrupt uh, uh, Behasha and, and, and his efforts and what he was doing." And, and so, you know, if you give the devil enough, you whatever you give him, he's going to take from you. Whether it's a spiritual way or a physical, he's going to take it from you. And the Bible says that Benedict did that. He took the gold and the silver, and he said, I'll do what you ask me to do. And he disrupted ben, uh, um, Baasha and, and all his efforts that he was trying to, to, uh, to, to do. And, and so Asa was happy about that. And when all was said and done, the Bible says that the seer, prophet during that time came to Asa and said to him basically in a few words, what you did was wrong. He says now when, when the enemy, the Egyptians and the, and the Nubians and the Nubians, they came up against you. They were greater than, than, than what's happening now and you relied on God and he took care of the issue. And here you are now Verse number, I think it's verse number nine of that, no, verse number uh, seven of that chapter, around there, so verse seven or six around that chapter. He says, here now you relied on the enemy rather than relying on God. What does that say to us? What it's saying is that Enid, through all his trials and all of his tribulations, his faith relied on God's grace to get him through. I want to share something with you in a moment. But the Bible teaches us from verse 9 of the Second Chronicles in chapters 16. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole world to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart has, is perfect toward him. In other words, those people who really trust in God. Do you really trust in God today? 
You're looking at me funny. I don't know. Do you really trust in him? Do you really rely on him? Grace says we must live righteously without prejudice and partiality. We must live godly and be devout. Faith reflects our assurance and trust that God's blessings and grace will be showered upon our lives. Revelation chapter 3 verse number 11 says, Hold fast to that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall not go out no more, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. He, has an, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And what he's saying there in the book of Revelation is hold on. No matter what life goes at you, hold on. And if you hold on, he concludes in saying, be faithful unto death, and the Lord will give you a crown of life. Eating, faith, was in God's grace. And that's where we need to be as well. Our faith must rely totally on God's grace in our lives. Let's not think about it, what we will do or what... I will, where I will go, let's let God's grace guide us. Amen? Amen. Enoch, when I look at his life to the point where his testimony, uh, well, and here we are in the year 2021. He lived a long, long time ago. And we're talking about him today. Isn't that amazing? In a positive way. You know what? You know, we ever start to think that when, when all is said and done in your life, what people might say about you. Oh, he was a good guy, but <laughs> I liked him, but we can't say that about any. Oh, we can say that in his life pleased God. And that's what we need people to say about us, that our life also, what they saw in us was a life that pleased God. They saw that our faith relied on God's grace. Not only that, but we saw that our life, we see that Enoch's life was a life of integrity. Well, what does that mean? Integrity means that he had, this, this means it's a firm adherence to a code of especially moral and artistic values. Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Moral uprightness is the state of being whole and undivided. Now, when I think about that, when I think about that last phrase, being undivided, having integrity, we sometimes have trouble with that as far as being solely and wholly for God in His way and His will. Sometimes we have to divide ourselves because of our family. Amen. Sometimes our husbands or our wives get to the point that we have to say, well, uh, I'm going to do this because of my spouse, but I'll do this for the Lord. And we divide ourselves in our thinking. What I'm saying is that integrity, a person's integrity, is something that's a state of being whole and undivided in your thinking. Enoch, listen, Enoch lived in an atheistic age. Are we not? Don't we live in the same type of age? And according to uh, Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 6, you can read about the things that were happening in his day. So much so that God said it detested him that he even made man. Because his thoughts were now what? Evil continually. 
Enoch even prophesied about the things that were happening in his day. If you read the book of Jude, the verses number 15, or 14 rather, Jude says that he says, And Enoch also, the seventh of Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of the saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them that all among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches uh, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And he prophesied. Is those things happening today in the life that we live? So therefore, we can be the same type of individual that Enoch was and have live a life of integrity where we are undivided to the point as to what's right and what's wrong. Amen? Amen. Today, they give people rights that are due. They do things that are totally contrary and opposite to the word of God, and they have rights today. And we're supposed to say, okay. We have to be. Bible says and teaches us that we must maintain our integrity like Enoch did because Enoch understood even though it was not written and he understood this verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6 he believed that God was a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Maintaining our life or our integrity reflects the honor we give God in our hearts. Amen. The Bible says in the book of First Peter, the chapter is three, in the verses number fifteen and sixteen, it says, "But sanctify the Lord God where in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear." With fear. Having a good conscience, Brother Jerry, a good conscience that whereas they might speak evil of you as evildoers, they will be ashamed that falsely accuse you of your good conversation. Because you have integrity and you are whole and undivided. When we, when we, when we step over the line and rub shoulders with evil, and those things that are against God's will, then somebody will be able to have something to say about you that's evil. It's a fact. It's real. These things are real in our lives, in the day, in this year, and all, the, all of the, the things that we have in this world. is still real, the fact that you have to, reality is, is a sense that we have to understand that right is right, and wrong is wrong. Amen. It doesn't change. And we have to be careful that we don't step over and rub two shoulders with the devil too often. We've gotten used to the dark side, have we not? We're used to those things that are contrary. It doesn't matter. It doesn't phase us anymore. That's why you have the killings and the shootings and things like that. They don't phase us anymore. You turn your TV on every night at 6 o'clock. And watch the Channel 6 News, whether it's here in, in Pennsylvania or in Florida or wherever, you'll see the same thing. People are killing and then they're robbing and they're stealing and they're, and they're, and they're raping and they're doing all these all sorts of things. And we just go on our merry way. It doesn't phase us. We'll sit there and watch it. 
I guess nothing. Am I right? We have to be very, very careful about our integrity. Very careful. Enoch had this to deal with. He had some bad people in his day. And he had some people that did some ugly things in his day. But the Bible says he walked with God. Even after he had his child, 300 years, he walked with God. Sometimes it's hard for us to go a day without stepping over on the wrong side. But Enoch did it for 300 years. He walked, I mean, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Amen to that. Amen. You know, folks, you have to understand and recognize that our, our, our integrity, our integrity, it is, it's an example to the world that we love God. Amen. Amen? Amen. And, 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 uh, and I have one more point. Can I, can I do that? Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Enoch's faith in God's grace was something that, 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 that put a knot in his, in his testimony that we're talking about here today. Not only that, but his integrity also did the same thing. And, and, and to bring this thing full circle, I recognize also that Enoch his faith his, in God's grace, his integrity, and his conduct slash character were two other things that came into play during the times that he lived. When I think about this, and I understand and I recognize when I talk about conduct, I'm talking about the manner in which a person behaves themselves, especially in a particular occasion or in a particular context. When I talk about character, I'm recognizing that it is an attribute or feature that makes up a, and distinguishes an individual. Their character is the conscientious adherence to moral values, not just good intentions. Did you get it? Not you get it. Not you get it. Character is trustworthiness. Respect, responsibility, and fairness, as well as caring. It's very clear to me the principle in which Enoch's character was founded and his conduct directed was his faith. Amen? He saw nothing. He could not see God. Watch. He saw nothing but believed everything. And he said everything in God. That's why the Bible says... When we come to God, we must come recognizing that God is God and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to do what? Please God. So when I look at his character and his conduct and how his conduct was corrected, I recognize his faith in God is what allowed him to get to that point in his life. And it's the same thing that's going to help us get from here. So when we sing that song, this world is not my home, when we sing that song, we can truly believe that this world is not my own. Amen. I'm just passing through. The angels are beckoning me to come home. They're waiting for us, Jerry, to get there. But we have to have conduct. We have to have character and integrity that pleases God. 
Amen, church. Our conduct and our character takes responsibility for trusting that God's way is right. To live a life for an unseen land, as Abraham did, if you read in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, I think is the ultimate dependence of God on God and trust in Him. And, and, and to, to listen, as we, as we further read in the Hebrew letter, you'll see that people walk by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. They did these things. Here we are today. God says to us, we should walk by faith and not by sight as well. We need to take responsibility for our actions as those people did in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Mm -hmm. Our conduct must say that God will work it out. Mm -hmm. We like those people of old have heard of the land, am I right? Mm -hmm. Which we have not seen. We have heard that Jesus said himself in John chapter 14 and verse number two and three, in my father's house there are many mansions but I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Don't you want to be with Jesus? Yes. So we are encouraged today from God's word. And I reminded of the book of Hebrew, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet mentioned these words a long time ago. When he was trying to convince God's people the right way, he said to them in the 55th chapter, the book of Isaiah, the verses number six, he says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Yes. He said, Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and we will have, he will have mercy upon him and to our God because he will abundantly pardon. Let's seek the Lord today, folks. Seek him with a, with, a, with a faith that will trust his grace. Seek him to the point that you will have maintained integrity in your life, to the point that you may remain whole and not undivided in this world in which we live. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Our faith, our integrity, our conduct and our character must be formed by this guiding principle. Please listen closely. This principle must be part of our lives. The Bible says and teaches us. He says by he says and tells us with that without faith it is impossible, impossible to please God. It's just not going to happen unless we have faith. We must, our, 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 our faith and our character and our conduct must be formed by this principle. And this is the principle that he tells us and teaches us. Without it, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe that he really is? You've not seen him. You, you don't know what he looks like. But do you believe that he is? And if you believe that he is, that he truly, truly is, then believe that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Mm -hmm. So much so that we 
David will have a life <coughs> that is pleasing to God. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? Amen. Don't you want that? A life that's truly pleasing to God. I think that's what it's all about. We live in a tough world and tough times. Sometimes it's hard. Sister Myers was teasing me or she, she only because I was so engrossed in turned CNN on, on my TV and I was so engrossed I couldn't get anything else done around the house. So engrossed about what was going on with impeachment hearings and things of that nature. Um, but but what I'm saying is, you know, because it's 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 just it's just captivating to see what's happening. And sometimes we can become, and so Sister Myers had to wake me up, get up and start doing something, turn the TV off. And so I did, and sometimes we get to the point in life where we get captivated by the things of this world. And it draws our attention and changes our focus. And we forget sometimes who we really are and what our responsibilities really are. And we need to be waking up sometimes. Holy Spirit is waking us up here today to say, wake up and allow your life to be pleasing to God. The message is yours this morning. I hope I've said something that might encourage you to hold on. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'd like to be like Enoch. Now, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about necessarily driving down the road and just disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say my goodbyes, but, you know, I, I would like to have a life that is pleasing to God. You know, so when it's all said and done, and I know one day my, my you know, look, all of us, all of us, and, 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 and I know some of you in here are older than I am, but, but we, we, we have less days ahead of us and, and than we do, do behind us. Did I say that right? Okay. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is to you, our, 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 our ending point is closer than what we realize sometimes. And, and, and all of us have to do the same thing. And so I plead with you today. I encourage you. To, as the day grows through, you go through this day and the next day and the next day until the Lord calls you home. Allow your steps to be pleasing to God. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing a song here this morning. Brother David has picked out for us to sing as a song of encouragement. And, and I, want, I hope you're encouraged uh, by God's word. Uh, not so much about George Myers, but by God's word. And allow it to sink deep into your heart to the point that... <clears throat> you'll be able to say yes. And you know, it's good to have heard what God had to say to me today. And think about those things. If you're, if you're encouraged by that and you look at your life and you say, you know, it's not what I thought it was. And you recognize now that you want to change and, and get back on track again. And you say to yourself, you know, I need somebody to pray for me. We'll do that here today. Amen. We'll do that right now.